Did you know that you can sell your business and pay zero in capital gains taxes? Well, that's what I'm going to tell you about today. I'm going to show you A to Z, how it works, how it's completely legal. But before I do that, I have to do a disclaimer that I am not a licensed tax or legal advisor. I don't give tax, legal, or accounting advice. This material has been prepared for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide and should not be relied upon for tax, legal, or accounting advice. You should consult your own tax and legal accounting advisors before engaging in any transaction. So I'm gonna introduce myself to those of you who don't know me. My name is Don Thornton. I'm a 21-year real estate investor here in Florida. I'm considered one of the best short sale investors in the country. I flipped well over 3,500 3, short sales in my 21-year career. Made a lot of money in short sales, especially during the Great Recession. And I'm an owner of this trust. But let's talk about you and not me. So are you, if you're thinking about selling your company, I just want to say congratulations. As someone who started in two successful companies, I know that it is one of the most, it's one of the hardest things you're ever gonna do. And I'm all for you getting that money. However, if you're thinking about selling your company, you probably ought to be worried about paying capital gains taxes. Let me tell you something, you're right to be worried. You know why? Because this guy wants his cut. Now I'm not saying that you know the mafia is gonna come after you or some wise guy. But I will tell you that the IRS wants 20% of your profit to go on your asset. And that, listen, that's 20%. That could be more. If you do an asset sale, it could be as much as 37% for ordinary income. But let's just stay at the 20% uh, margin here. And you can just see some examples, right? I've got a, um, a client who sold his HVAC business, and he saved $160,000. But that's what he would have paid. We have about 255 different dental practitioners who are working with us to sell their practices to private equity firms. And the average is $5 million, so you know that $1 million would have gone to the IRS. I've got a client right, who's in the process of selling his software company for $50 million. He would have been on the hook for $10 million on capital gains if he didn't find a better way to do it. But let's talk about what most experts advise business owners to do to limit their capital gains tax exposure. And by the way, to limit, not eliminate, which is what we can do. But, you know, uh, you, you, there's a lot of different things out there. These are some of the common threads I see. Oh, you know, you got to make sure you have an M&A attorney or a trust attorney, hey, an estate attorney, or maybe a CPA or all of them, right? That's a lot of money going out to these people with uh, initials after their names. Uh, they, they can say, you know what, if you're thinking about selling, hey, start two, three years in advance. Go ahead and start getting gifts out to your relatives, you know, to uh, you know, lower the amount of profit. You can transfer assets to states with no income taxes. You know, you can try to, you know, use the company structure. I mean, one, one of the things they describe or they advise is do a small business stock gains exclusion. Maybe set some trust up for family members. You know, and, and the last two are hilarious. It's like, well, get the employees excited about the change and about the sale. But they, so what they're trying to do is damage control to, you know, get the key members from quitting because that's going to reduce the amount of your business profit if they all bail on you. And But they always say, don't wait for the perfect time to sell. In other words, sell that thing so we can get paid, right? 
But what's the missing link? Okay, isn't there a missing link somewhere in this? I'll tell you exactly what it is. It's the cap. No one talks about eliminating the capital gains tax. But what if I told you the capital gains taxes can be eliminated completely? I think you want me to tell you this. I feel it psychically that you want me to tell you. So I'm going to tell you right now. You need to get the non-grantor, irrevocable, complex, discretionary, spendthrift trust. You get four main benefits with this trust. First of all, any passive income that comes into your trust will not be a taxable event. Benefit number two, all capital gains taxes are excluded. Business, or benefit number three, you get some major business tax reduction when you use the trust with um, you know, with your business. And the benefit number four is it's 100% lawsuit-proof asset protection as long as you don't uh, screw up you know, getting your assets over into the company, excuse me, the trust. So uh, those are the benefits. But we're going to focus today just on benefit number two, which is capital gains tax exclusion. Okay, so how is this possible? Because the trust is 100% in compliance with IRS Code 643B. I'm not going to go into a deep dive on this. I'm just going to show you a couple of things here. But this is from the tax code. It says gains from the sale or exchange of capital assets shall be excluded to the extent that such gains are allocated to corpus and are not paid, credited, or required to be distributed to any beneficiary during a taxable year. When it comes time for all that money that's come into the corpus of the trust to uh, you know, get your return, your 1041 trust return for your trust, then this part of 643B comes into play. I will quote, where it says, for purposes of this subpart and subparts B, C, and D, the term income when not preceded by the words taxable, distributable net, undistributed net, or gross means the amount of income of the, of the estate or trust for the taxable year determined under the terms of the governing instrument and applicable local law. Items of gross income constituting extraordinary dividends which the fiduciary, acting in good faith, determines to be allocable to corpus and under the terms of the governing instrument and applicable local law, shall not be considered income. Okay, I want you to understand that. All this money that comes in, proceeds from a sale of a business, passive income that's come in, as a trustee, you have the power, according to this tax, this part of the tax code, to declare that to be an extraordinary dividend and it will not be considered income. So how does this work in real life? There are five steps to capital gains exclusion. So here are the five steps to capital gains exclusion. Step number one is you sell the asset or your all the assets of your business into the trust. The trust is going to sell all you know to the, the business in an asset sale to your end buyer. The proceeds will be allocated to the corpus of the trust, meaning it's going to come back into your bank account. And then at the end of the tax year, you as trustee are going to declare all that income, and you know, all the passive income that came in from other sources, the proceeds from the sale of your business. You're going to declare that to be an extraordinary dividend. And that means on your tax return, it's going to be zeroed out and you're going to have zero income for your trust for that year. So I'm going to show you clips from a, a, a 1041 tax return for our trust. I just want to show you here. I blacked everything out so you don't have to see it, so you can see you know who this is or whatever. But there's total income here of 937,632. All right. 
So you can see how that is a total income. But look down here where it says taxable income, total tax, zero. It zeroes out. There's nothing here. And why is that? Because we move forward here. It says, you know, because this is being done for a non-grantor, irrevocable, complex, discretionary, spendthrift trust. And it says, you know, these are all the expenses. And there's one more. Extraordinary dividend allocated to corpus per IRS code 643B, 749-121. So you as the trustee are going to have an addendum to your 1041, which declares that this is all extraordinary, you know, this amount here is declared to be an extraordinary dividend allocated to corpus of the trust according to the terms and conditions of the articles of the trust. They're not paid or credited to any beneficiary. So on and so forth. So when you do that, then it all zeroes out and you pay. That's why this is not a taxable event for your trust. Now, I'm going to go ahead and cut you off at the pass. I get a lot of pushback from different people, especially attorneys, CPAs. And I'm going to give you the two most common pushbacks. They say, well, that extraordinary dividend is misrepresented. Is misrepresented. It is not what you say it means. And some of them even send me this. Uh, this is from. Uh, IRS code 1059, where it talks about uh, extraordinary dividend, meaning that any dividend with respect to a share of stock, if the amount of such dividend equals or exceeds the threshold percentage of the adjusted basis in, sh in such share of stock. Okay, So they're saying, well, that's what that means. So what you're saying is complete BS. Well, it's not. I will tell you this, that this is for, you know, like I said, uh, IRC 1059. It clearly states it's talking about this section only, and I'm so right about this because I'm telling you they're wrong about 643, and I'm going to show you this right now. This is a private finding letter from the, term, you know, the IRS back in 2015. I'll give you a little background on this. There was a dispute between inheritors uh, in a trust, and the dispute was that some of the money that came in from a, from a uh, LLC was declared to be an extraordinary dividend, and therefore it was not considered income. So a lot some of these beneficiaries said, you know, inheritors said, well, that should be income. We should get a cut of that. And so they sent it to the IRS to make a determination. This is what the determination said. So this is their ruling. 643A defines the term distributable net income as a taxable income of the, of the estate or trust computed with certain modifications. Section 643A-4 and the regulations thereunder exclude from the computation of distributable net income with respect to trusts that qualify under subpart B, those items of gross income constituting extraordinary dividends, which the fiduciary, acting in good faith, does not pay or credit to any beneficiary by reason of his determination that such dividends are allocable to corpus under the terms of the governing instrument and applicable local law. Section 643B and the regulations thereunder provide that for the purposes of subpart A, B, C, and D, the term income, when not preceded by the words taxable, distributable net, or undistributed net, or gross, means the amount of income of the estate or trust for the taxable year determined under the terms of the governing instrument and applicable local law. Items of gross income constituting extraordinary dividends, which the fiduciary, acting in good faith, determines to be allocable to corpus, under the terms of the governing instrument and applicable local law, shall not be considered income. Folks, I just read this in the tax code itself, okay? 
In this case, court determined that the governing instrument in state law would characterize the monetary distribution from LLC to trust as a return of corpus. As such, the monetary distribution from LLC to trust pursuant to settlement agreement meets the definition of an extraordinary dividend under 643B and is not considered income within the meaning of that section. Accordingly, based on the facts submitted and the representations made, we rule that the monetary distribution from LLC to trust is an extraordinary dividend excluded from the definition of an income between the, within the meaning of 643B. I don't know how much clearer it can be. That what we're saying about 643, the extraordinary dividend is completely in line with what the IRS says and what the code says. So sometimes we'll get another pushback of, oh, the trust is subject to 37% tax rate on any income over 14451 And they oftentimes very politely send me this bracket showing that. So they're saying, well, if you've got all that money there, $900,000, that's got to be taxed at 37%. Well, let me remind you of what I just read you, that after all these expenses, it says here that the extraordinary dividend for this trust was $749,121 and reminds you that this zeroes out the tax on the return. So there's nothing to take. There's no taxable income here. Therefore, there's no 37% to be deducted from, okay? After the extraordinary dividend is declared, the trust has zero income. That's the law. That's how it works, okay? So you might be asking, what do I do with my proceeds after this sale? Well, you can do a couple of things. You know, you can use them to, use for, to pay for trust expenses because in my experience, the trust can pay for a majority of your expenses. It certainly can pay for every single expense for any assets you have in the trust, like your home, your, your cars, things like that. And uh, it also pays a lot for the beneficiaries. Take the money and invest it. Put it in different investments. It's up to you what you want. You're the trustee. You have full control. And then remember that whatever comes back into the trust will be tax-free because it will be declared an extraordinary, extraordinary dividend. All that passive income will come in and you'll have it'll zero out your tax return. Okay. So I know this is a quick snapshot, but I want you to reach out to me to schedule a free strategy session because we, I can answer all your questions and go into greater detail. Go to my Calendly link at calendly.com slash Don Thornton, that's spelled D-O-H-N-T-H-O-R-N-T-O-N slash 30 M-I-N, Don Thornton slash 30 minutes. I will talk to you about all of this and we can get you set up. Thank you very much for being on my, uh, or watching my video. I'll see you next time.